five in the eye with Michael and Phil. It's news, but is it new? Good morning and welcome. You're listening to Clover Radio, and this is me, Michael O'Hajuri, welcoming you to episode 0332 of our weekly news review show, Five in the Eye. And joining Michael this week via Zoom, it's Phil Woodford, revealing that we've invited a very special guest to join us today. Mr. Steve Martin is going to help us dissect five of the stories that have caught our eye over the past seven days. Hi there, Steve. Hi, Phil. Hello, Michael. Yeah, it's good to be here on Five in the IR. First story this week is going to be about asylum seekers. Priti Patel has seized on the fact that the man who detonated the bomb at the women's hospital in Liverpool was in the asylum system. Meanwhile, record numbers of people are crossing the channel and thousands are camped on the border of Poland and Belarus. Five in the eye. For story number two, we'll talk about the young black teenager who's been stopped and searched no less than 30 times by the police and contrast his prospects with middle-class university students who are apparently much more likely to walk into jobs than students on their course who are more disadvantaged. Story number three, we ask whether the word woke has been hijacked by the right wing and ask what it takes to change people's attitudes and behaviours. In a week where the head chef at Posh Hotel Claridge's quit because bosses weren't socially aware enough to embrace his plant-based menu. And what story number four? Well, a Japanese train driver was fined 28p for rolling into a station a minute late. He is suing his employer. Quite right. And to wrap up the five this week, Prince Harry apparently consulted Princess Di's old mystic, who predicted that he'd marry Meghan. Or should that be Mystic Meg? Oh, Mystic Megan. I foresee an interesting conversation ahead. Uh, and that's this week's Five in the Eye. Five in the Eye. Okay, well, we're going to kick off this week with a complex web of stories, really. There was a tragic incident in Liverpool uh, last weekend where um, a man detonated a bomb at the women's hospital and... Um, you know, he was the he was killed. Um, luckily, the taxi driver involved only suffered relatively minor injuries and may have saved potentially um, a lot of lives. But um, it was noted that the the guy who detonated this device was um, an asylum seeker. He'd been in the country for quite a while. He'd been planning the attack for a while. Pretty Patel, our Home Secretary, has seized on this um, to to kind of demonstrate her opposition to the whole asylum system and says it needs review. And her argument is basically sort of bleeding heart lawyers are, are stringing out these asylum cases. And she saw, I think, this as an opportunity to, to pull that lever. At the same time, we've got record numbers of people crossing the channel in terrible circumstances and there have been tragically deaths of people trying to get across to the UK and not only that asylum is in the news for other reasons because um, the Lukashenko regime in Belarus has been um, bussing migrants to the Polish border uh, and there's maybe a couple of thousand of them camped out in extreme conditions, very, very cold there, uh, falling ill, and being used as pawns in a game, effectively, by by uh, Lukashenko and Putin as a way of applying pressure to the EU. So um, 
a real tangled web of stories, but they all come back to this idea, Steve, of um, asylum and people's ability to claim it. And it seems to be under threat in many ways, whichever way you look at it, and very, very dangerous for the asylum seekers, the whole, the, the, the whole situation. Yeah, it's extremely dangerous for the asylum seekers, and I think dangerous for the direction that these conversations can go in the public domain, because this is the perfect uh, convergence of all of these sort of toxic clusters of events, people pressing against the border in Belarus, um, uh, others crossing the channel now we see on um, um, inflatables, and jet skis, which just really struck me as amazing. I would still say that anyone who's going to be crossing that particular stretch of water on a jet ski uh, should, yeah, is more than welcome here. Don't care <laughs> who they are, where they come from. But um, particularly the situation around um, the would-be or would have been um, uh, assassin in Liverpool, where you have this particular aspect of the story, namely his. Um, conversion supposedly to christianity um and already in the press it's being used to attack you know the liberal do-gooding um church of england and uh, their fellow travelers so it can be open season on uh, all parties who uh, are open to the idea of migration but it also particularly those pressing on the borders um brings into question uh, where is the limit? Is it a thousand a month, two, ten thousand a month? What can be done? You know, that's a great question, Steve. What can be done? And I think this, this Labour, Labour's Tory government have lost the pot. You know, they've got an 80 seat majority. They've been in power for what, 10, 11 years? You know, they, they, you know Brexit, we're going to get it sorted. You know, this is one of the things that Brexit is going to sort out. You know, take back control of our borders. You know, it's not working. And when I say it, this is where it becomes horribly complex. You know, you, you, Phil, Phil's mentioned the people on the, the Belarus border. We've got the people on the French border. You know, people don't escape to something. No one's escaping to England. They're escaping from something. And I'm challenged by the fact that why aren't we addressing the, you know, what they're escaping from? What's going on in Iraq? What's going on in Syria that we can't resolve? You know, and, and I'll, I'll, let me be upfront. We we came together for this this COP twenty six, two hundred almost two hundred nations with one with one vision to try and resolve it. This 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 refugee problem is is as equally grave. Look, you know, you look at the, look at um, America and the walls they're building there. So isn't this something that we as a as a world? Not come together. And I'll go, it sounds poetic, doesn't it? I'm sorry, but you know, we cannot come together and try and resolve. Phil, you know, am, 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 am I being too poetic and lyrical here? You know, un, un, unrealistic. I mean, I, I think, you know, with, with regard to resolving the source issues, you know, we, we, we've got 
you know, clearly we have a responsibility in, in places like Iraq and Afghanistan because of our involvement. You know, there's no question about that. You, but you, you look at somewhere like, you look at somewhere like Syria, uh, where, you know, Assad waged a war which killed half a million, uh, half a million people and, uh, we did nothing to stop him. I mean, it's, it's actually our omission of action there that's the problem. But, but Phil, Phil we, we can't just say because we didn't resolve that one, we're not going to try anywhere else. Well, no, sure, sure. I mean, I, you know, I agree. We wherever we wherever we can, you know, if, you know. I, I mean, I'd love to believe. I'd love to believe that we could influence the Taliban, for instance, um, and they'll sit down and have a nice chit chat with us, like they did with President Trump in Doha. But uh, you know, I think this is fantasy, really. I mean, we 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 will do what we can to address the source issues, but we're still going to find. Uh, people wanting to cross borders. And of course, with the, you mentioned COP26, Michael, with climate change, uh, these issues of migration are potentially going to become more and more to the forefront. Yeah, I mean, most definitely, uh, climate change is a big driver and will be an increasing driver of uh, these population flows and changes because on the streets, that's how it is experienced. And um, as well as looking at ways of um, addressing these movements in the countries concerned, a way of uh, addressing their impact on the streets of these islands really needs to be looked at seriously, rather than this knee-jerk um, <clears throat> right-wing response. Um, oh, I have to say as well, just casually, I, I think full credit to um, the taxi driver who showed you know, very public spirited and swift thinking uh very creative response to it um and i know there's been some celebration of his deed but um yeah that sort of thing while on one hand being praiseworthy will almost certainly kick off um sort of more vigorous <laughs> responses to real and imagined acts of terrorism when you talk about real and vigorous um, responses to terrorism, I'm from Liverpool, as you well know, Steve, yeah? And I've been talking to them, like, you know, my people in Liverpool. And this, this, this I, I thought there was going to be a problem in Liverpool in terms of this guy, you mm. know, he's an immigrant, he's an asylum seeker. And there's, there, are, there, are, there is a faction in Liverpool who are not quite welcoming of these asylum seekers. But I, mean, I was, I was, I talked to, talked to, um, uh, uh, my nephew there, and he was saying, it's not like the people are angry and we want to get these asylum seekers out. There's, there's, a, there's a train of thought that says, maybe this guy had a problem. Maybe he is a one-off and he had his own problems and it's coming to the surface now. There is there's some mental health issues. Yeah, of course, there are always mental health issues, but that's a card which um, certainly people like myself uh who are further left than centre, um, will refuse to accept when it's played by the right wing. You know, there's always a lone wolf. There's always someone with obviously mental health problems, but I don't extend the luxury of that to them. I yeah, I mean, I, 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 I tend to agree. With, I tend to agree with Steve there, there, Michael. I mean, it's it, it's kind of liberal left sentiment is. Uh, uh, you know, it, it's got to be consistent on this. I mean, either we, I, I you know, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people who get caught up in these bizarre ideologies, whether it's far right, uh, Islamist, or the misogynist, or whatever it might be, I'm sure a lot of them will have mental health issues, but it's not really 
any kind of uh, any kind of explanation or excuse for the for for the extreme activities they get involved with is it no i'm not, I'm, that, that's, I'm, not, I'm not saying that's an excuse you know it's, it, it needs to be punished for it doesn't and recognize what, what what he's done but then it just makes us think how do we deal with these people you know is 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 is, is locking them up is um deporting is that the answer you know i'm going to use the c word here you know, let's talk about a bit of compassion, maybe a bit of understanding. Now, I can hear you saying, no, we've got too much of that now. We just want to get them sorted. But I would argue, isn't that what makes us a great nation? The fact that we do have that compassion, we do have the understanding, we'll try and embrace it. We'll not look for these pretty Patel excuses, you know, You've got to, we've got to get these people out of the country, less of them. These are, They haven't used the word yet, but remember... You know, bogus asylum seekers or economic asylum seekers. They used to put these epithets in front of these adjectives in front of them to kind of demonize them. These are people escaping the most terrible things. So if we can't address the terrible things in their in their the home countries, let's try when they come here, let's try and work with them and, and try and understand them. You know, so look. So, so Steve, you know, you, you, you criticize yourself for being left. I respect you. You know, I, I think there's nothing wrong in, in in standing ground against these these Tories who want to who want to have these people not nothing to do with them. Five in the eye. Moving on to to um, story number two. This is just an amazing story in the 21st century, and in, in in Britain 2021, when we're talking when we we've been talking about stop and search, for almost in like decades now. As a young man here, a 14-year-old young man, he's been stopped 30 times in the last two years. That's always over one a month. One a month. What does that do to his morale in terms of his sense of self-worth and dignity? Because it's not just stop being stopped. He's been handcuffed. His home has been searched. You know, he's been profiled. Not once, but over 30 times. You know, Something is wrong with the system. And his, his mother now is trying to take some action to protect her son. But what must that do to him and his confidence in terms of how he fits into society? And you contrast that with the other story that you mentioned, Phil, about these uh, middle-class and upper-middle-class kids at uni- coming out of university, getting all the best jobs, but applying for all the best jobs, having the confidence to apply for the best jobs. And the figure that, that shocked me in that in that report was they applied for more jobs than the than the, the working class kids, the kids coming from, from poorer backgrounds, because they had the confidence to apply for those jobs. Which I'm sure the, the, the working class kids were a bit reserved. And I've been there myself when I was coming up. You know, you're not quite so sure. You know, you, you'll stand back a bit and let others take take the advantage. So when you see that that young that young man being 30 times, think about that, 30 times stopped. How he feels about, how he feels about going, just going out in the street, let alone applying for a job. It's just, it's just outrageous. So look, Phil, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be direct here. You know, we have to do something, you know, and I'm going to use the word positive discrimination now. You know, is that too much to say? Is that too radical for you? Not too radical for me. I mean, I think in employment, certainly, I, I don't really have any fundamental objection to positive discrimination. I mean, it, 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 we've got so many entrenched 
inequalities that uh, I, 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 I think it's a perfectly reasonable response, even if it is somewhat controversial. Um, I mean, what, what strikes me up the stop and search situation is, you know, we're 40 years on now from the Brixton riots um, and, you know, the, the, the stop and search was at the heart of the problems in the community in Brixton at the beginning of the 1980s and uh, was, you know, subject to a discussion in the Scarman report and, and, and so on. And here we are 40 years later. And nothing much seems to have changed. Uh, that strikes me as, you know, we're, we're then into all the issues which we can't get into today about the Metropolitan Police, about institutional racism, uh, uh, about the leadership of the Met Police. And that's a discussion for another day. We've been there before. We've had all those conversations. You know, we had the Scarman report. You know, was it all those recommendations? Nothing says we need to do something positive, something that says we're going actively going to make a difference. And Steve, what do you, what, Steve, what do you feel would yeah. be the best steps in order to try and address some of these issues? I mean, it seems almost intractable, doesn't it? Yes, um, almost um, being the operative word, because it's clearly, or to my mind, um, this is a problem of institutional race, racism, which can only be tackled by the cliché of more training. It's not just having more minority officers, of which there are a crawling fleet towards a representative number. It's not just having someone of Cressida Dick's background um, heading the Met. There needs to be a lot more face-to-face, uh, -face, on the ground, active training. And I'm talking as someone who, you know, you're talking about 40 years ago. Um, 40 years ago, I was um, a victim of that sus uh, law campaign, you know, suspected theft of goods unknown, value unknown from persons unknown. And in a bizarre sense, um, I had an even posher voice then than I had now, having just left school. <laughs> and when it came to court, it was clear that that was working in my favor. You know, myself and uh, the judge, you know, just exchanging these nods to people of similar backgrounds in contrast to these oikish policemen. So that whole world, that whole territory, is um, well known to me. I, needless to say, I, I walked from that. Um, but people like this young man um, were being sent down on trumped-up charges and just flagrant abuse. But the only way is, as I say, the going back to the cliche of more training. But, but Steve, you came through it. You, 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 your, your dignity was intact. Your mm. ability, you want to make a contribution to society. Think about this poor guy, this poor boy. You know, when you look at both those kids coming out of these red brick universities, these middle class kids walking into these jobs via their mom, dad, uncle, whatever, you know, and, and but more importantly, they've got the confidence to walk into these jobs. Yes, yes. I mean, they've been brought up like that. They have the code, they have the code set um, to negotiate these roles and also to trigger the fact that they are part of that clan and they have access to those um, intellectual and um, power levers that, um, yeah, they have leverage. Yeah. So, so, so the, the, this is why I'm, I'm, I'm coming around to positive discrimination, active discrimination, in terms of we're going to make a difference and we're going to prove it. I know it may, it, it may upset some people, but it does work. You know, and, and, and the example I like is Colin Powell. 
Colin Powell got his position through positive discrimination in, in, the, in the, armed, the armed forces. They said, we're, we're going to put black people forward. We're going to give them the opportunity to, mm. be, to, be, actually, to be possibly selected. They weren't the default choice, but they were given the choice to be on part, to be the ability to be selected. And that's what I would, I would look to today, to, to, to give these kids the it, chance. It, it, it's apples and oranges. Um, because you're talking about a very active branch of the armed forces in the United States, or the whole culture, which is separate from, say, the United States police services in all their variegated glory, which are very well integrated, and even the most integrated of them, you know, Chicago, you know, New York, is just, you know, riddled with virulent racism. So it's not a matter of just moving people up. It's a matter of having very serious conversations about public... Um, you know, just keep an open public dialogue. No, 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 I, I, Steve, I understand where you're coming from because the police service are all over the place. Each state has, mm. has its own police service and system, whereas the army was one institution. Are you saw the example of an institution where, where positive discrimination can make a difference, can make a difference, where they said, we're going we're gonna to try at least. Well, I, you know, you know I'm, I'm sorry, I don't buy this. You talk about education, the police and training. Hmm. No end of courses in terms of uh, positive. Um, well, um, if you can just very briefly, Michael, then um, outline the impact that you imagine that this influx of uh, black, particularly, but uh, non-white. No, no, no. I'm just, I'm just saying, give them the opportunity. Now, how, how that managed, managed met, ma- manifest itself? You'll say you will expect to at least to have ten percent of your applications to be black, and if they're not, you're going to go and find them. If they're not. It's, it's incumbent on the institution, the, the um, academic institution, to go and find them, to bring them in. I'm not saying you give them default places on there. But I'm you, fairly certain those figures that you quote, 10%, they're not too far off that now. And um, I don't see it impacting behaviours on the ground. You're but, 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 selecting but, 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 for a certain but, type of but, 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 mentality but, rather than phenotype. No, but, but, I'm talking about in all institutions that, that, that at least the government has control over in terms of all the jobs, in terms of the police service, the prison service, and the civil service, those institutions, they can open up in an aggressive way, in an aggressive way, in a positive way to, 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 to bring in people in, because we want them to be, in, be part of society. We want to fight against this, um, the nepotism, where, you know, what was it mm. that Doreen Norris said about the BBC? You know, you're working for your uncle and you're... you're your uncle and your, your, your dad when you get a job in the BBC. We want to open it up. And the BBC is not, I just, I'm not singing out, just other institutions which are kind of closed. We want to open them up. Well, I think we, we recognise the fact that this is a situation that is, you know, just not, not something that's tolerable. Um, and we're going to have to act the question as always is how we act and that we're going to be coming back to that i think time and time again on five in the eye but for now we're gonna have to move on to story number three and steve you are going to lead us off uh just uh introduce this story for us five in the eye Yeah, it's a bizarre one, this. Um, Very thought-provoking, the fact that um, the head chef at Claridge's um, has left his position. Said head chef had proposed a new menu, in fact, a radical by Claridge's standards menu, 
um, that being vegan, entirely vegan or plant-based, as we are now calling it. And um, in, obviously, in contrast to all of the game and uh, claret-favoring <laughs> foods that um, the diners Claridge's like would have enjoyed before. And um, it, it sort of brings into context the whole idea of uh, wokeness. And as soon as I said wokeness, everyone can imagine, you know, me doing the, um, uh, you may the paraphrasing <laughs> and movements. Um, but it does push into the center of the discussion, um, not just the desire of the chef to introduce a more, what is it? clearly um, a healthier, more eco-conscious way of eating to those jaded palates. But how do we do this? How do we introduce um, these new tastes, these new ideas, these new flavors, new styles, fashions, if you like, to um, people who will resist them? And it just takes us to the center of this idea of woke and how it's been hijacked to, as a term, which is formed in the sense of waking up, being sensitive to change, being open to uh, human diversity. It's been now um, just a weapon to uh, lambest people such as this uh, former head chef at Claridge's. Michael, I know you have strong opinions about this and the idea of woke as as a phrase being hijacked by the right wing. But isn't this chef guy... Isn't he woke in the good sense of the word woke, in, in, in the original sense uh, uh, that, that Steve's outlined? Because he is aware of the, the wider context. He's thinking of the environment. He's thinking of our health. Uh, no, 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 come on, I'm, Phil, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. What I don't understand about this story is he wanted the whole menu changed. Bang. It just seemed bizarre. <laughs> you know, he wanted to go... Well, you know, we're meat eating one day, vegetarian the next. You know, colleges has a, a broad pu- public. Okay, I'm not in part of the what's it, 125 pound a head. I don't know, Steve. You're probably in that class with your with your author royalties and stuff. You're probably oh, yeah. up there. That's you're good. probably up there. But we you know we, we, Michael we pen- restricts himself to once a week there, don't <laughs> no, you, Michael? We pensioners, we pensioners. So I thought he was a bit arrogant and saying, right. That was you know, that, that was then. This is now. <laughs> we totally moved over, and I loved your idea of jaded palates, jaded palates. You know, the, the, I need so much. The, <laughs> jaded, but but the kind of stuff he's talking about. I, I, can I find a, a description of it? It's all you know. We, we've moved on from drizzled, um, sun-dried tomatoes into the most exotic, bizarre kind of stuff and I'm thinking who wants to eat this stuff it just, it just looked you know whether I'm to meat and two veg okay that, I'm, I'm sorry I'm, I'm sure I'm showing my my class here I thought my class but it just seemed he just seemed over the top you know I'm all for change and I'm changing I'm eating less meat as, as I'm sure we all are are we nodding there guys are you nodding? I'm just listening to you uh Michael and as I'm listening I'm substituting uh the word uh, vegan and plant-based for uh, Muslim and minorities. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but, you know, but, you know, no, 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 we're a complex, integrated society, and, and, and yeah. a, men, a, a menu should reflect that. The fact that you know, there's like 
<laughs> we don't eat meat, but we do eat meat. Some, 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 so I think he was too much. And I'm, I'm with you, Phil, this wokeness. You know, he'd hide, the, the right of hijack this word. And right, he was too woke. Too woke, you know. <laughs> but yeah, but you know, I mean, woke is usually used as a pejorative, isn't it? Yeah, now yeah. nowadays, and you know that. So the and, and it's used as a, a as a, a shorthand for saying obsessively politically correct. Effectively, it's what we used to call extreme political correctness. I I I, I would argue, except maybe the boundaries of what's politically correct have shifted over time, and, and this is how the right wing uses it. Any idea that seems remotely progressive mm. is woke. But at the same time, of course, we do find people with a lot of very weird and wonderful ideas that are perhaps at an extreme of that political correctness spectrum. And so there probably does need to be a word to describe people and those ideas. And if it's not woke, we need another word. But when you say we need another word, we do not really, we, we know these words, right-wing reactionaries. You know, we, we know this word. They've got this word woke. These reactionaries, they, they respond, oh, no, that's not, no, 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 no. They're, they're instinctively, they're against this menu. And I think in some ways, I'll go along a part of the way with them. I'm not all for the big change, but I'm for the change in terms of let's inter, let's be part of it. And coming back to your point, Steve, about Islam and, other, and others in society, other minorities, bringing them in, bring them on. You know, it's all part of the... I'm going to use the M word here. It's all part of multicultural. Go there, Multi- Michael. Don't go there. <laughs> that sort of stuff can bite, bite us on the left um, in the backside because there are circumstances where there are particular communities, say North America is at war and a whole swathe of Trump-supporting, gun-toting, evangelical Christians are flooding over here, looking to settle amongst us, moving next door going to our schools, meeting our black blokes, laughing at our mosques. <laughs> you, know, you don't want that, do you? What, what a fantastic scenario. You don't want that. No, 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 no. In some ways, I, I'm, 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 I'm going to explore this a little bit. No, time's not our friend here. But the idea of these Americans escaping America because it's not free enough for them. They're coming to Britain for a free life. But I'm, I'm any, say- any life, Michael, they're fleeing <laughs> to something and no, from something as well. No, yeah. no, no I, I don't know they're fleeing from America. I think one of them they be, be challenged about, there's no guns here, mate. We don't have guns here. So, you it's know, the culture they'll bring with them, mixing with our kids at school. Mm-hmm-hmm-hmm. <laughs> Religious fanaticism. Nah. No, 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 Steve, I think you'd be, I think one of the great things we have in Britain, and this, this comes back to Britishness, that inclusive, the idea, to, the idea to absorb people. You know, I'm looking at the, the, the people we've absorbed over the centuries, the Huguenots, the Jews. And they're, they're saying, we're now trying to absorb black people. And it's happening. We do. We embrace them. They'd be, you know, fish and chips, come on. The number one meal in England or dish in England, it, it's, it's, origin, it, it's origins lie in foreigners. You know, the, 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 the fried fish from Jews, the, 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 the chips from, from, from the Irish. We, the multiculturalism goes to the heart of England, heart of Britishness. I, I never thought I'd say this, but bring on these Trump supporters. Let's get them over here. We can convert them. We can embrace them. 
It's only on, five, get, in the it's only on mm. five in the eye, isn't it? We could go from vegan-based menus at Claridge's to Trump supporters <laughs> invading the UK. <laughs> but I think we'll have to move on now, Michael, regardless to story number four. Five in the eye. Story number four is what? It's one of the most amazing stories. One of the, the greatest. I don't know. Am I being too dr- dramatic here? This is uh, about Japan. It's about Japanese trains and the and the, and the demand that they run on time, and not just the demand that the people are fined that the trains run on time. And it's not. Let me say, it's not the English run on time. You know, which is fifteen minutes late and you get the money. We're talking about fifteen seconds late. A train driver was fined. He was fined because he was seconds late. Seconds late. And he said, I'm not going to accept that. I keep in mind the find was what the find was, was, was a pittance. It was about, I think it was, was it 56 pence? 56 pence. 28 pence. 28 pence. In fact, it, it reduced it from 56 to 28. And he said, I'm having none of this. I'm having none of this, you know, even though it's 28 He's, he's fighting. He's fighting on a principle, isn't he? Um, and, and it's one of these strange situations where, 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 you know, financially, probably it makes absolutely no sense whatsoever to take on his employer here, I imagine. But he's doing it because he really believes it's unfair. Um, I mean, my first reaction to this story, Steve, was that if if British train drivers got fined for the trains being late, they they they, they would be bankrupt probably pretty quickly, wouldn't they? <laughs> Absolutely, no question about that. I mean, it's a complete it's cultural. A, the, 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 the no, no, no. Thing about this story to me is we're we're, pro- we're we're pragmatic here. You know, this twenty second delay business. They apologise for a twenty second delay. Can you imagine no. London Underground saying? I'm sorry. We have a 20 second delay. We we apologize. They just no, they, laughed. Come on. They, they apologized in 2017 because the train was left 20 seconds early. Now, <laughs> I, I, I like this. I like it a lot because it does feel no, like no, cultural Come on, Steve. Yeah, I like it. You know, I'm Mr. You know, on time is 10 minutes late. That's me. But um, I like it because um, there's another principle here at work here, which was, it wasn't to do with the money, of course, as Phil said, it's the reputational damage to this individual. I mean, this goes before him. This is, um, it's extreme and it's absurd. It's possibly even in, insane, but there's a part of me that warms to it. <laughs> at least the standard is... No, let's, just, let's just focus on 20 seconds. How often have you been on the tube when the driver has to say, stand back from the doors? You know, and he tries to shut the doors, and there's somebody's got the bag out the door, or they've got the kids stuck in the door. You know, it's naturally, but in Japan, they, they kind of throw the people in the train, they push them in. You know, that's the way they ensure everything's on time. But, They've got but, the guys there with the white gloves pushing you, pushing you in. No, no, but we're more civilized here. You know, if you've got your head trapped in the door, they're going to open the door. Maybe that's a 20 second delay, and there's three heads, that's a, that's a minute's delay. I think that, that that makes us a greater nation, a greater train running nation, that we accommodate the failures of our passengers to get on the train properly. I think Steve mm. hits on an interesting point, though, about, you know, it's a, it's a matter of pride here, isn't it, for the driver, um, that, you know, that his reputation's been undermined. And in Japan, uh, appearance 
is everything. I mean, with those classic, I don't know, apocryphal maybe stories of of the of the, the the salary man who's lost his job, but he still goes out to work every day and sits on the park bench, so that his neighbours and his wife don't know that he's uh, he's lost his lost his job. And you know, is it is it um, is it pride here that's at stake? It is actually, it's actually insane, is what it is. But <laughs> a part of me warms to that kind of insanity. Um, <clears throat> which is uh, about keeping up this sort of uh, face when dealing with the public, having public, it develops public trust of a sort, which uh, we don't have here. But, but, you know, come on, Steve, how practical it is, this 20 seconds. I, you know, I defy any train in Lin- in England to, r- to, to run to 20 seconds. You can't, <laughs> people are coming on. No. Sometimes no. They even hold it up while mum, dad and the kids are running to get on the train. Yeah. They, they just do it just you know obviously it's a judgment they leave a little late but i think that that's what makes us a bit more compassionate and flexible more flexibly exactly rather than this i'm sorry you were 20 seconds late i'm tempted to say who cares but but to your point phil we're britain we i guess they've got different standards and i don't say it in an arrogant sense but in the sense that they've got different expectations in japan and so I guess 20 seconds is important to them. But I guess to us, I, I fear that five in the eye might soon be running about 20 minutes late. So we, we will probably need to move on. And at this stage, I'll, I'll apologise for any inconvenience caused. Five in the eye. Um, story number five this week is about the royal family. Now, Princess Diana uh, was known for consulting psychics uh, in order to guide her during her rather troubled uh, uh, in, in involvement with the, um, with, with, with the family firm. Um, what was quite interesting has recently been reported that Prince Harry also frequents the same psychic uh, that his mother used and um, according to according to reports, uh, he, he he saw this lady uh, while he was dating uh, someone prior to his relationship with Meghan Markle, and the psychic revealed to him that he wouldn't marry his previous girlfriend, but she saw someone with dark hair uh, in his future. That was apparently Meghan. And I was I was quite intrigued about this Mystic Megan Mystic Meg story, Michael. Uh, for me, the idea that the royals rely on astrology <laughs> in their day to day in their day to day dealings. I mean, does, does that surprise you? The short answer, no. The long answer is, if you if the prediction is, you know, he, he apparently asked her, "Is she going to be blonde?" And he said, "No, she's going to have dark hair." That's a 50-50 there. That, that's a punt. I'm sorry, that's not a prediction. That's a punt. It's up there with flicking, you know, flicking a coin, heads or tails, dark hair, you know. And I think, so the headline was a deceit, as many five-in-the-eye headlines are. You know, we, 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 we're drawn in by it. And it's, I'm going to use the N-word here, nonsense. Yeah. Nothing going on here. Move mm. on. But, you know, I, I guess... I've got a deep breath. Harry had nothing to do with this. This is a pure press story. They've made it. What's it? They made it up. They've made one and one. I've made seventy-two. So come on, this this is a this is another non-story of of n-word nonsense. 
No, Steve, thank you for agreeing with me. No, no, I'm not. I'm not. Um, I think it's potentially, well, I think it's a, it is obviously nonsense because it involves astrology, but it's sad as well. It's deeply sad of a young man who's lost his mother and maybe this is a way of still connecting to her by um, being in communication with this individual astrologer who failed to prevent his mother's death, which is just so beyond sad. Um, and just the prevalence of astrology and the reliance by so many people on it to this level, to this degree, it's so much a part, so embedded in their lives is worrying, isn't it, Phil? Yeah, well, I, I think it's a little bit odd. As you, as, as, you, as you say, you know, Princess Diana, bless her, could have benefited from a few more insights, I suspect, about her uh, her, her, her troubled relationships and and and, uh, and her eventual um you know her, her eventual tragic fate but it didn't really happen did it because we can't uh we can't unfortunately rely on people's psychic intuition to get us through life we have to we have to draw our own have to draw our own judgments mm -hmm. but i does remind me of it you know the prominent people generally there is there's a lot of belief in this kind of weird stuff. I remember Ronald Reagan, for instance, uh, in the 1980s. Um, I remember reading Don Regan's book for the record. Don Regan was his chief of staff. And Ron had, uh, Nancy went to an astrologer and Ronald's good, bad and iffy days were marked in a calendar on the basis of what the astrologer said. And, he, what, uh, uh, and Ronald Reagan wasn't allowed to go out on the days the astrologer advised it, that the, the stars were in misalignment. Uh, and so there's something very, very odd about people who are very powerful, in my view, relying on such stuff. Phil, get real. You know, it's their insecurity. So they're looking for some kind of way to touch with normality, to try to organise their life. You know, Diana, in all that confusion, when she reads in the newspaper what you know that, that uh, she's pregnant one day and the next day she's not pregnant or she's wearing red and she doesn't she hates red and she sees so she needs some kind of way to to, to work her way through that and the same and, and the same with Reagan got that confusion around him that that um a powerful kind of weird beard person and you know there's there's Elizabeth uh, Queen Elizabeth um the first had um her, her Dr D kind of character. Or did the Russians had the um Rasputin with Rasputin. the, the Zar, you know, yeah, the, yeah. right up to date, you know, Boris Johnson with uh, with Dominic, his mate. <laughs> you know, they all need this kind of weird beard person to try to help them get through the day. You know, I guess people like you and I, Phil. You and I, I, Phil. I, I, I <laughs> you just just made you just made me think that my, Michael Dominic Cummings' eyesight wasn't that good, but his second sight, well, we, do, oh, we just oh, don't. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and on that note. Five in the eye. Well, that's it for another week. Gazing into our crystal ball, I can tell we're going to be joined um, by um, another special guest next week for episode 0333 of Five in the Eye. And yes, we certainly will be, Phil. And I want to thank Steve, or can I call it S.I. Martin, the author, Bob, Bob nice Viva. Bon Raconteur. <laughs> I want to thank you, Steve, for joining this week and completing, completing your, your profound insights on the news this week. My pleasure. 
And if you want to get in touch with us, please do visit our Facebook page where we post up the stories we're considering for next week's show. For now, this is Phil with Phil in London, bidding you a temporary fond farewell. Five in the Eye with Michael and Phil. It's news, but is it new?